from Corner to Corner proudly presents the Mount Rushmore's of Wrestling, where we talk about heels, faces, tag teams, and many things more. Here are your hosts, Sean Kuyper and Neil Payne. Well, the top 50 is officially underway. We got five behind us. Five behind us. Hopefully you got to listen last week as we ran through number 50 or 46 through 50. And this week we're going to be number 41 through 45. So how was your week? It was good. Good week, man. I mean, I get to wake up every day and be me. Of course it's a good week. Awesome. Me too. Me too. So you want to jump right into it? I mean, we can. I think you started last week. That feels weird, me saying that. <laughs> so uh, let's start with n- number 45 this week. Okay. Is a guy that you may know as the Big Bad Booty Daddy. You may know him as Freakzilla. But the world knows him as Scott Steiner. You didn't go with Big Papa Pop? I mean, I thought that was too. I thought that was too given. Like, I've heard that guy's great at math. Well, you know, we talked last week about Sid having some fantastic promos. Mm-hmm. Scott Steiner delivered what I think to be the greatest promo. It's so good. In fact, I want to read to our audience the exact promo that he cut. I mean, it's a great promo. And if you have time, YouTube this. It's even better watching it. Okay. Yeah, because I'm sure you just have to see him do it. And it's and it's one of these that 100% he thought of this in his head. Nobody wrote this for him. No way possible. No way possible. So this is when he was in TNA. This is when he was t- in TNA. <clears throat> you know they say that all men are created equal, but you look at me and look at look at Samoa Joe, and you can see that statement is not true. See, normally, if you go one-on-one with another wrestler, you got a 50-50 chance of winning, but I'm a genetic freak, and I'm not normal, so you got a 25% at best to beat me. Then you add Kurt Angle to the mix, your chances of winning drastically go down. See, the three-way at sacrifice, you got a 33 and one-third chance of winning, but I got a 66 and two-thirds chance of winning because Kurt Angle knows he can't beat me and he's not even going to try. So Samoa Joe, you take your 33 and one-third chance minus my 25% chance and you got eight and a third chance of winning at sacrifice. But then you take my 75% chance of winning. If we was to go one-on-one and then add the 66 and two-thirds percent, I got... 141 and two-thirds chance of winning at sacrifice. See, Joe, the numbers don't lie, and they spell disaster for you at sacrifice. (laughs) How does he come up with that? You know, the crazy part about it is, is if you follow his formula, it actually does add up to that. That's what's crazy about it. And his promo alone was almost enough just to put him on the list. Yeah. But this dude had a fantastic tag career. Yep. You know. I mean, you can't deny what the Steiner brothers did. They were champions all over the world. Then, and, but he and he deserved to be on the list more as a singles guy than they did as a tag team. Right. I think their tag run kind of fizzled out in the early nineties. Yeah. Then they bump him up. Of course, he starts taking the roids. Right. All right. Becomes massive. I mean, he doubled in size. Oh, jeez. 
He holds U.S. title, world title. He's the world champion of WWE. Like he he held many belts in TNA. Just as awful as he was to work with, as terrible as he was on the mic, as bulky as he got because of steroids, the dude could go, and he was a great performer. So, to start our list today, number 45, Scott Steiner. So, I met him and his brother at Comic-Con, and he had the... The chain, yeah, the, the chain guard on his head. He stopped the steroids. Because yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Because he doesn't look anything. I mean, he's definitely shriveled up. You and know? Rick Steiner doesn't look anything like he did back when he wrestled. Mm-mm. No, but he's kind of still built. You know, I mean, not not jacked, but he's he's still built on it. So definitely, uh, they weren't very talkative. I mean, they signed the autographs, and that was about it. Um, but uh, but anyways. All right, so let's see. That was number 45. So number 44, I should have let you do this one because the hand's starting to cramp a little bit. My hand's cramping. And uh, it's cramping because we have none other than double-A Arn Anderson. The enforcer. Yep, at number 44. You know, this is one of these guys that you talked about does he really need to be on the list? Not that you were debating that. You said, does it, you know, you were just questioning. And that was a question that came up a lot. Does this person really deserve to be Yeah, because, I mean, we went from like a list of 67, 68 names down to 50. Right. So when you cut 17 names off. And out of that. and out you, of that, you have to debate 25 people to, to, to do that. And he was just. One of those final eight guys that kind of made the list. And ultimately, it came down to, yes, he's most commonly known with being the muscle of the Four Horsemen. Him and Ric Flair are synonymous. But he had a pretty illustrious career. Uh, Yeah, he was multi-time tag team champions. Tag team champions in WWF and in the NWA. Uh, slash WCW, he won the uh, long-time holder of the television title. And you and I have discussed on these shows that you don't get the television title if you can't work. Right. Because it's defended every week. Yep. Uh, He's been a part of some fantastic factions in pro wrestling. I mean, he was a part of the Heenan family. He was a part of the Dangerous Alliance. And, of course, he was a part of the Four Horsemen. There's no other person that can say they got to be a part of all three factions with three of the greatest minds. When you look at Heenan, Heyman, and J.J. Dillon, three of the greatest minds in the business. Yep. Um, you know, he was, I got a soft spot in my, in my, in my, in my heart for double A. Uh, I got to meet him a couple of years ago when we went to WrestleCade. Uh, he had the, t- he had the television title then I got to hold it, got to hold up the four with double a, if I can find that picture, I'll post it online because, you know, anytime I can show a picture of me getting to hold, hold the four up to represent the four horsemen. And I'm with a legend like double a Arn Anderson. Yeah. I, I mark out. Yeah. The only one you're missing is flair off that list, yeah, right? When I'm missing is flair. I mean, you have his autograph, but you haven't met him yet. Yeah. We so, still hold out a sliver of hope. That he might show up I'm at Russell Cade, but I don't know if it's going to happen. I'm hoping. So, number 44, Arn Anderson. 
I mean, you can't go wrong with it for sure. I mean, if for nothing else, I mean, just like Goldberg on the list last week for his 173 and 0, I mean, Arn Anderson being a staple of the Four Horsemen. I mean, he was basically the heart and soul of the Four Horsemen. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, him and Flair were the two most consistent ones. Well, yeah. and I mean, and he's even still relevant today. It, he's old and decrepit, and he does crazy things like talking about shooting people with clocks. But he's still on TV every week. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, says something for him. Yep, for sure. So, 44, Arn Anderson. Yep. So, 43. I wanted so much more from this guy. Mm-hmm. And he was capable. I just don't think he could ever get over the hump, break through that glass ceiling, so to speak. But our number 43 is Mr. Perfect, Kurt Hitting. Yeah. I mean, as his name says, simply perfect. Okay. He was almost, he was as close to Bret Hart, tech, uh, you know, t- technician in the ring as there was. And, you know, people may say that he was better than Bret Hart. And I totally get that argument. You know, long-time Intercontinental Champion for a long time. He was synonymous with the Intercontinental Championship at WWE. Um, gave the Ultimate Warrior maybe his best match of his career. Um, then he went on to WCW, was a member of the Four Horsemen, turned on the Horsemen at War Games, uh, joined the NWO, started the West, uh, the West Texas Rednecks, uh, we've talked about that on the Blunders episode. Yeah. Uh, but just any time he was involved in a match, in any brand, any promotion, it was going to be a good match. Yeah. Um, he was in on some of the early days of TNA. He 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 wrestled some matches in TNA. He actually, what year was it that he came back and was in the Royal Rumble? I don't know. He was a surprise entrant in 02. Oh, okay. And lasted, I want to say, all the way. Triple H won that year, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly. And I want to say he lasted quite a while. I mean, he came in late, of course, but right. he lasted quite a while. He was also one of those that was in the midst of training for a comeback whenever his uh, life, unfortunately, was cut short. As far as in ring performance, you don't get better than Mr. Perfect. Right. And, and you know, to kind of catapult off that, the fact that they did push him. I mean, he was side by side with Heenan for the majority of his time. Yeah. He was in amongst uh, the Heenan family when Flair was there. And he was, you know, with him. But he just never got that opportunity to go for the full goal, right. you know, as Jeff Jarrett and uh, Conrad talk about how Jeff was all, uh, intercontinental title, all those or intercontinental champion, all those times he was co-manager all the time, but he never got a chance at that manager spot. Right. And, uh, you know, back in that time frame, he just wasn't going to get that opportunity. Not over Hogan. Yeah. So I mean, he could have, and he would have been a fantastic world champion. Uh, I I think about him now, and he, and you think about what he could do in some of the gimmicks that you know. If 
if if if he wasn't so far ahead of his time. And this was after he came from a very illustrious AWA career. Yeah. Um, but you know, he'd have been a great Money in the Bank champion. Yeah. Um, you know, the uh, the Battle Royal uh, gauntlet matches that they do in AEW, he would have been a great Joker. To, like, he would be great in a lot of these. Yeah. Roles. His his career happened. 10 to 15 years too early. I think so. Right, because he he was there during the time frame that they still were using the big guys. Right. You know, and and you know, Bret Hart was the was the guy they were riding at yeah. that particular time of the smaller guys. So, but anyways, another great great guy on the list at number 43 is Mr. Perfect. So number 42 Go mix it up a little bit. Going to mix it up here is our first female or a freak of nature, however you want to Ninth wonder of the world. Yeah, ninth wonder of the world. We had to get China on the list. Had to. I mean, I, I mean, she's probably the first female we actually put on the list. I think it's kind of self-explanatory. She fought men's and women's. Mm-hmm. Was multiple-time Intercontinental Champion. Right. Was. Was she the first woman in the Royal Rumble? In the Men's Royal Rumble? Yes. Okay, that's that's what I thought. She was an integral part of the Generation X. 100%. Yeah. Was integral in Triple H's rise to fame. She could hold her own. Just, I mean, you talk about somebody that was ahead of their time. China was way ahead of her time. Yeah. Well, and then she played a big role in Eddie Guerrero too, right? You know, she she kind of pushed him up. She, uh, on they had to bump her up to men because she had nobody on the women's side that can match her in the ring. Right. You look now. You got Bianca. You got uh, Becky. You got Charlotte, Oscar, Bailey, maybe Sasha, maybe Shayna, Shayna. Nia Jax, you know, there's there's women now that could stand toe-to-toe with her. Raquel Gonzalez, uh, Mercedes Martinez. Uh, even if on the AEW side, you look at people like Britt Baker could probably hold her own. Ruby Soho, maybe. Even maybe uh, Thunder Rosa or Jordan Grace or, you know, Peraza. You know, there are a number of women now that, yeah. Would she would be able to focus squarely in the women's division? That and just wasn't the the thing back then. No, that was not. The I mean, yeah, that was the. She was the one physical female wrestler in a time where it was more of a sex appeal thing, right? You know. So, but just the barriers that she broke down, the ceilings that she broke down for women, and you and you hear people like Charlotte that say. Had it not been for China, you know, China then led to Beth Phoenix and Beth Phoenix into what's going on, you know, Lita and Trish, and then they went on. But had it not been for China, she'd not been the pioneer that broke through. They may not be able to do what they're doing now. Right. So for those reasons and many more, China's number 42 on the list. Yep. Yep. And I'm going to let you take this last one because... I know but this guy is near and dear to both of our hearts. Near and dear to your mom and my dad's heart. Yeah. And we've talked about this guy. 
We're excited to meet him in a couple weeks. I mean, this guy was probably the first wrestler that I cherished, right? I mean, he was the guy we saw on Saturday mornings on Memphis Wrestling. Yep. I mean, it was him and and Jeff Jarrett, right? But this guy, Jerry Lawler, who is a wrestling sweetheart, was on Raw for all those years as a commentator with with uh, Jr. But his time in the ring, man alive! If that strap come off of his shoulder, business was picking. <laughs> it up. was it was as it was as synonymous as the head shake pointing of Hulk Hogan. It was. You knew what was coming when that strap come off of that shoulder. And Jerry Lawler, I can remember as a as a child, my dad taking me to Louisville Gardens every Tuesday night, and we would watch. Was that USWA? USWA. That's right. Yeah. Jerry had kind of moved on to uh, WWF at this time, but he was still around occasionally, and it was something special whenever you got to see Jerry the King Lawler. Yeah. I really hate the way that they used him in the WWE. He was more of a comedic actor, uh, you know, a, a comedic act. He was more used on commentary. I think he still had some time left. I think Jerry feels like he still has some time left. That's why hell, he, he's still wrestling now, man. Like, there will be shows that are going on. I think, I want to say he was in a match that I saw advertised somewhere in Memphis like a week or two ago. Like, he still legit wrestles. <laughs> All the time. So, I mean, obviously his work in WWE isn't what put him on this list. Right. It was what he did prior to coming to the WWE yeah. that hooked us, made us wrestling fans. Yeah. Um, you I, know, mean, I got Goosey's talking about it. I know. I mean, and, you know, and it's really funny because until we started putting this list together, I don't know that either one of us would have said Jerry Lawler was one of the guys that would make us so emotional, right? Right. It's really funny. There's some really big names that are going to be at WrestleCade. Yeah. And when you sent me that text that said that Jerry Lawler was going to be there, I didn't care that there was anybody else on the list. Right. I really didn't. Yeah. I mean, because to the point – like Neil's saying, I sent my mom a text and I said, we're going to meet Jerry Lawler. And she goes, you have to get me an autograph. I mean, because he was my mom's favorite wrestler right. back then, too. You know, and was, my mom's the one that got me started watching wrestling. Right. You well, know? And, you know, it's the same with my dad. And my dad is a huge Jerry Lawler fan. Um, thinks Jerry Lawler is. He probably would be upset with me. If he found out that we put him at number 41 on our top 50 list, <laughs> he probably would have him much higher. I think we have to factor in what he did in the WWE, though. Right. And he basically was a commentator. He had, he had the feud with Bret Hart and uh, yeah, things, but nothing. And, and he did that cheesy thing with, with Doink the Clown. Yeah. And they had. And uh, I think that was bad for him. It was. It was bad. 
And then he had the, uh, you know, like one of the last like major matches he had is when he had that match with Taz when uh, Taz uh, was beating up on Jr. Yeah, and and Jr. and Taz. Now he rest. Know. Now I hate that. So Jr. I mean the King was the one that always took up, especially in later in in his commentary career. He took up for the other announcers that were getting picked on. You know Jr. and Michael Cole and all the and. When he got in the ring then, he was pretty – you got to see glimpses of Memphis wrestling. The yeah. And I hate that we didn't get to see that early on in the WWF. Right. I think his view – or the view on his run would have been much different had we got to see a different version. Less comedy, more wrestling version yeah. of Jerry the King Lawler. But it, we definitely had, had decided that we could not have a top 50 list. And not put Jerry the King Lawler on our top 50. 100%. So number 41, Jerry Lawler. Yeah. You want to run through the the five? Yeah. So at number 45, we had Big Papa Pump, Scott Steiner. 44, we had Double A, Arn Anderson. 43, we had Mr. Perfect. 42, we had China. And then forty one, we had Jerry Lawler. I mean, we're we're off and rolling on our top fifty list. We've got ten down. Hopefully, we're drawing some emotion out of you. Hopefully, we're drawing some memories out of you. And let us know: Do you agree? Do you disagree? Do we have somebody ranked too high, too low? And if so, where where would you put them? We these are all the questions that we want to know. Yeah. We thought about last week's show. We was probably going to get a motion off of Goldberg. I don't know that there's Mister Perfect's probably the guy that draws the emotion off of this list. I could see Mister Perfect. I could see China. Yeah, and I could also see Jerry Lawler. Yeah, I, I don't think too many people would disagree with Scott Steiner. I mean, if anything, we might get disagreement on the fact that we just did Scott Steiner and, and not, not the Rick. Steiner brothers. Right. And we, and, and we tossed around that idea. Yeah. But their their tag career, I, we felt like, didn't have the longevity of Scott Steiner. Yeah, because, I mean, essentially, once they split up, Rick kind of just disappeared. Yeah, I mean, he was in a couple feuds and mid-card type titles, but nothing significant. Yeah. Yeah, he just... He was a tag team guy. He was. A lot like Anvil from the Heart Foundation. He or, was, or Stevie Ray. Yeah. R-O-B. Yeah. There are some guys that just can't survive. Not to change the subject just for a second, but one of those tag teams that we see now, we've talked about this, is the Street Profits, right? Montez Ford has singles guy written all over him. He's got money written all over him. But his – the worst thing that can happen to them would, would not. The worst thing that can happen to them is D'Angelo Hawkins catch an injury. Yeah. Because as soon as he catches an injury and he has to be on the shelf for a while, Montez Ford is they're 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 strapping a rocket to him and he's going singles. Yeah. If if they'll if they'll use him. You know. But I I don't know why they wouldn't. Right. Because I mean, he he does have star written on him. Yep. So well, there we go. We're t- we're ten down now. Ten down. Eight episodes left to go. I'm not sure why I did that. I, yeah, I'm not real sure why you did either. I apologize. Send us out with our sponsors. Got to send us out with our sponsors. I'm going to do them in reverse order to keep people 
on their toes. We got to thank Crouch Family Bakery. We got to thank Darren's Dashing Dinners, and of course, longtime sponsor Heiner's White Bread. Another great episode. We'll see you next time. All right, see ya. That wraps up this episode of Mount Rushmore of Wrestling. Tune in each Wednesday as we discuss our Mount Rushmore of Wrestling and more. Be sure to like us on our Facebook page and click us a follow on the podcast. Until next time, this is Sean. And this is Neil. Stay safe, friends.